from Studio One at the worldwide headquarters of ESPN and from Studio HD in Atlanta, Georgia, this is Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and on Sirius XM Channel 80. With everything on the line, the question is, or was, could the Kings handle the pressure? They handled the pressure. What they couldn't handle was Steph. It's Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz, presented by Progressive Insurance. Steph Curry had a historic night. Not just a Steph night, a historic night with 50 points in Game 7. 50 in a game where they threw everything at Steph they possibly could and none of it mattered. And Harry, it has us doing two things today. A, respecting the entire process of what that beautiful series was. And B, even most important, more importantly, looking at Steph maybe even a little differently than we did 48 hours ago. Because for all of the brilliance that we know Steph is, when you watch that on display, it's hard to find the words that describe it. Yes, it is, Fitz. And I need to say this. Game one of this series, uh, the Warriors versus the Lakers, will be tomorrow, which is Tuesday at 10 p.m. Eastern time. I'm going to order me a 50-piece wings, mild, all flats, extra crispy with a bucket of ranch, not that nasty-ass blue cheese. A bucket of ranch. And I just had to get it off my okay, chest. Okay, wait, 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 wait. But where, you order, where are you ordering wings? Like, am I buying those wings? Cause I no, would, no, no, no. Uh, okay. No, no, no. Okay. no, no, no. Okay. I'm ordering Evan's, Evan's on like a, 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 any, Evan's on a diet journey, so I can't bring the wings in for us until Evan's done with Whole30. Like, I, like, I don't know where, where J-Tim's ranks on the Whole30 process. Not, not up there. Two weeks, though. We got uh, Two weeks. this okay. week, this week and next week, next Friday, is the end of all 30 for me. Okay. You know what? Okay. I, I'm going to take, I'm going to take, this was such a bad loss for me. I'm going to take my lumps twice because, you know, I don't want you guys to have to wait a long time. I'll take the show staff out for wings once as soon as Evan's done with his diet. And then again, when Harry's up here, wings again on me. See, Double you're, buckets. You're a stand up guy. You, you, you're a stand up guy, man. I ain't getting none of that ranch that we're eating blue cheese. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. You buy you your own damn ranch you, right No, 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 no. When you lose the bet, you don't get to choose what dipping sauce we have. No, I don't get to. <laughs> okay, that's fair. When Harry, you lose the bet, you, you don't the choose bet. the bet. Hey, Harry, where in lost. Atlanta are you getting these from? And uh, what flavor? are they? Lemon pepper? <laughs> well, since lemon it's a pepper? Tuesday, if the game was tonight on a Monday, then we all know where I'd be getting my wings from. <laughs> but uh, unfortunately, Place the game is on fans? a Tuesday. So I'm going to go right down the street. Are they not open on Tuesday? They are. But I would I would prefer to go there on a Monday. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> can you explain why? Show staff outing, maybe? We just no, Evan, the, stop. We're just gonna take the whole the whole show staff down to Atlanta for lemon pepper wings, just just for just just for team bonding. Justin, if you Evan, could, if Evan, you, Evan, okay. better get permission. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Y'all might want to get permission slip signed. I'm just saying. Permission. Uh, leave your phones in the car. All right. Uh, yes. I'm taking us wildly off the rails now, Fitz and Harry. Uh, but all of this leads to some conversation about Steph and his greatness because of what we just watched. Tim Legler, ESPN NBA analyst, said this about Steph and specifically his athleticism and skill. If you go and you rank a guy, give him a score from 1 to 100 in in the three areas of skill in the game, pass, dribble, shoot, Steph Curry is going to come out the highest, right, when you add those three up. This is the most skilled player in terms of the three offensive areas of the game that the league has ever seen in one body and you saw all of it on display in a game they had to have to extend their season on the road i agree with legs watching that game yesterday 
usually if you're watching Steph Curry, right, he's hitting threes um, and he's content with doing that. Or if he's off from threes, he's going to the mid-range game, going to the rack, trying to get fouled, get to the free throw line. Yesterday I thought we seen everything. We seen the range uh, from the three-point line hitting seven threes. We also seen the mid-range game uh, stepping inside the arc. We also seen him driving the lane and making acrobatic layups time and time again. We seen him from the free throw line shoot his free throws very efficiently. We seen the best of Steph Curry, I think, that we've seen in a very, very long time. Yesterday in the Game 7 when the Golden State Warriors needed him the most. And for LeBron James and the Los Angeles Lakers in this series, I go back to last year, the NBA Finals fits, when I was watching, you know, the Warriors versus the Celtics, and the Celtics was the best defensive team a year ago. And I watched how the Celtics gave, you know, this Warriors team tiny bits of airspace. Now, I remember them going to timeouts, talking about it on, you know, in timeouts, hey, as soon as these guys cross half court, you got to pick them up. Well, D'Angelo Russell, you don't have time to be lazy in this series. This not the Memphis Grizzlies who, who will struggle shooting from deep, or struggle shooting from the floor. They have multiple guys in Klay Thompson, Steph Curry, Andrew Wiggins, Jordan Poole, guys that can light it up from deep. Moses Moody, I throw him in there because he's coming to games in this playoff series and, and, and hit three-pointers. Your antennas better be up at all times. You cannot take any possession off. But Steph Curry alone. And Klay Thompson, the way they run off screens and they're always constantly moving, putting the defense in uh, bad situations, and they capitalize off those things. So for the Lakers, they don't have time to be trying to get things right. They have to be right from Jump Street and not just one quarter, but four quarters every single game that they play. Well, and you mentioned sort of the movement, and I, I think there's two keys to that. One, as Leg smartly pointed out this morning, it creates a lot of conversation defensively because when you've got people moving without the ball the way Steph does, constantly defenders are trying to figure out who's got who, where, when, why, why how. Like, that creates a difficulty. But the other part of it is go back to that Memphis series for a second. As much as I have, uh, I have eaten a lot of crow today, rightfully so, there was one game that Memphis definitively won. They won that game by playing with a pace that, frankly, was frenetic, right? Like, it, yeah. we were watching it, and it was just – it was wild to watch that. That's what the Warriors just did in an entire series against Sacramento. Pace of play is something that Sacramento is known for throughout the NBA, and the Warriors matched it, right? Like, the Warriors didn't yep. try and slow it down. They were like, okay. And watching that game last night – all I was watching was Steph outrun everybody. The Lakers are going to have to make sure their communication is right. They're also going to have to make sure their legs are right because they are going to get run all over the floor. That that should be, in my mind, part of the strategy. Like if I'm if I'm talking to you and your coach, because God knows I'm not, I'm saying, Coach, I feel like we should really try and run the legs out of this Lakers team. And the best way to do that is to have somebody like Steph and Clay that are going to force you to move the entire time because they're constantly moving without the ball. You're just going to wear down your opponent that way. I think that's a, that's part of what's one of the reasons why if I'm the Lakers, I'm a little concerned about portions of this matchup because I'm going to need depth. I'm going to need legs. I'm going to need conditioning. I'm going to need to be able to play with pace. Also, you're going to need Malik Beasley. You're going to need Dennis Schroeder. You're going to need these guys to not only step up offensively, but all these guys are going to have to be locked in defensively. Malik Bisley, we know him as an offensive player. Well, you can't just be an offensive player in this series. We know D'Angelo Russell as an offensive player. Well, you just can't be an offensive player in this series. You're going to have to pull your shorts up, smack the floor, be ready to play D. As soon as Klay Thompson and Steph Curry cross half court, you better be alert because they can jack it up from 30 feet. They can jack it up from 35 feet. 
and you don't want to be going on the sideline calling timeouts, arguing about who has them and who doesn't have them and who's supposed to get them and that whole nine. Communication is going to be key throughout this series every single time down the court. I also feel like to the point that you made when we started the whole show, when you have seen Steph do this, it's impossible to think that Steph can't do this again. Now, in fairness, we saw LeBron have a couple of those games in the last series, too, where you just looked at it and said, holy you-know-what, how in the hell did he manage to do that, right? Like, that is part of what we saw in the last series. That's one of the most interesting things about this series going into it is that we have seen the stars shine particularly bright for each of these teams and create unstoppable matchups. I just watched last night, and I watched Sacramento throw everything they had on a team that was young and capable and, and I think very talented and not even really be able to slow down Steph. When you see that, you just it makes you think, my God, who, what can ever slow down what we saw last night? Well, I know what, it help, what would help if you're not giving him one way to go, like mm. square up on him and play defense. Like, you know, they're shading him to the right side or shading him to the left side, so you're giving him a direct line and then you help defense. That's the thing about the Lakers. Their help defense. It can't be half-ass help defense, right? If you're supposed to be in the lane, protecting the lane, protect the lane, and then shoot out to the guy that's at the three-point line if the pass is made there, right? Or anticipate. You can't fake help defense in this series against the, the Golden State Warriors or you're going to get got. That's what I thought the Sacramento Kings were doing yesterday in Game 7. They were giving Steph a direct line to the basket, but no one stepped in to try to help and play help defense like they were supposed to do. Now on short notice, short legs, the Warriors will re, uh, have to turn back around and then suddenly take on a Lakers team that's had a few days to get them legs right and get everything right and get ready for this matchup. So we'll see how it plays out that game's tomorrow. we got a lot that we will preview on it, not just for the rest of today, but also tomorrow. In the meantime, maybe the most anticipated second-round series of all changed drastically yesterday. We'll tell you about it next. Fitz and Harry, uh, you can also hear us uh, by telling your smart speakers, hey, get out there and play ESPN Radio. Game one belongs to the Heat. But we are expecting, you know, this game to be like this. It's, it's going to be a cage fight. We believe that we can do something special. We're going to continue to play as such, and then we're going to see where we end up in the end. and Harry, the podcast. belongs to the heat but we're expecting you know this game to be like this it's it's going to be a cage fight he's down holding his ankle banging his fists on the floor how's it feeling like a rolled ankle i asked him i said you going out you know just the plane said no and uh and that was that we believe that we can do something special we're going to continue to play as such and then we're going to see where we end up in the end
Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. And your smart speakers just tell them to play ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz. Yesterday, Harry, I'm going to paint a picture for you, all right? Yesterday, hanging out at a place called Revolutions uh, in, in Hartford, uh, signed up uh, for an ESPN, like I got some ESPN buddies to sign up for. Oh, you went uh, to church? Uh, Revolution? No, 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 no. No, oh, okay, uh, kickball, bad. close. Adult Sorry. kickball. It's an adult kickball league, right? So I had some friends invite some friends, trying to grow my social circle in Connecticut, right? So we got a bunch of buddies that are all bringing in buddies, trying to meet new people. We're out there, we're playing some some kickball. Game did not go well. We don't need to talk about that. But after the game, I'm walking by, and it's like it's at a bar, like with these outdoor fields and everything, and people are chanting chanting i'm like what game has already started that people are chanting on because i was focused on my kickball only to realize that all eyes and all chants were on the knicks versus the heat because you know we're up here in this area everybody's infatuated like the, the knicks fans are, are are out there like they're they're loud and they're feeling it but yesterday in that game that everybody's highly anticipating it was jimmy butler that was again jimmy butler until late in the game after an injury and through that process, Miami got a fairly convincing win. So this was that moment where you look at it and you say, God, most people didn't think the Knicks would be here. Most people, myself included, did not give Miami any shot against the Bucks. To think that the that Miami went out and got that big win, I think it was a statement for the team for sure. Well, I will say this, though. The game was a lot closer than a lot of people probably expected um, or thought. Just looking at the 108-101 uh, score, this was a doll fight uh, through and through, and the Knicks went up, you know, big in this game. Um, but then the Miami Heat, I don't, I don't think they wavered at any moment, right? They, they remained calm. They were missing shots, and I remember Eric Spoelstra got interviewed, and it was like they were asking him basically about the shots because the, the the Heat were shooting a lot of threes, but they were missing early on. And Spo was basically saying, "No, we we we'll take those shots. We'll take those shots every time. What we need to do." is guard the paint and keep the New York Knicks out of the paint because he knew that's what they wanted to do. That's what they generate a lot of their offense from. And basically want to force the Knicks to, sh you know, shoot from the outside. And the Knicks found – excuse me, the Heat found a way to come back and win that game. Now, Jimmy Butler was phenomenal. He had 25 points and 11 rebounds. But it was the play of, in my eyes, Bam Adebayo doing his thing. Kevin Love had a series where he was scoring – uh, or, or some place where he was scoring, but also outletting the basketball down the court to Jimmy Butler and also other teammates for easy buckets. And that kind of, you know, got Miami started on their run. But Gabe Vincent chipped in, shooting the ball well from behind the arc. Kyle Lowry, man, a savvy veteran coming off the bench, having 18 points and making key buckets at, at times to, to stop the Knicks from coming back and making a run was huge for the Miami Heat yesterday, and they found a way to get it done. But, unfortunately, Jimmy Butler rolled his ankle in the win that they had yesterday. Well, and that's what all eyes are on. Jimmy Butler uh, was with Cassidy Hubbard after the game, was asked about his performance and his ankle. Jimmy, first of all, congrats on the win, but how is that ankle feeling, and what was your mindset as you were clearly hobbled down the stretch? Uh, find a way to win. Um, be out there. Be a presence. I didn't do too much except for air ball of three, but uh, I'll take the dough. How's it feeling? Like a rolled ankle. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> <laughs> I love the honesty. There's like like a rolled ankle. I mean, uh, they, but here's the interesting thing about it, Harry. We were looking at the schedule, obviously, as a lot of people are. Uh, the The next game in this series tomorrow night, uh, that's going to be Miami at New York, 7.30 p.m. Uh, there's not another matchup in this series 
until Saturday. So even though game two is tomorrow, quick turnaround, they have several days to get ready for this weekend matchup that you can see on ABC on Saturday at 3.30 p.m. Eastern. And you, I would say you look at it from this standpoint, right? Jimmy Butler's one of the toughest players fits that I've ever seen in any sport. I don't see how a rolled ankle would keep him out of this game. But if you're Miami and you're down anything, I would sit him out this one if you have any doubts. And, but Jimmy would have to, you know, agree with that, which I don't think he would would, would agree with. No, but because to, but, of the time, yeah, but that you. Between, like, games two and three. You're right, and you stole one already, right? Like, yes. you got one in New York. I mean, that's yep. that's the thing. Like, every game matters in a playoff series. I, you, you're the athlete. You know that, and I know that's what you're saying. But I'm also kind of like, hey, I need you for the whole series. We already stole one. We now have home court advantage. Like, I, I they need him in Miami. Like, I, I don't think that Miami can not have Jimmy Butler win this series. So, to me, it does make, to your point, makes a little more sense if Jimmy's on board with it to let him rest a little bit, right? Which I don't think he's going to be on board with, though. That's the thing. And that's <laughs> the mindset of a Jimmy Butler and a guy that I think is one of the toughest, if not the toughest player in the, the National Basketball Association. On the flip hand, when you look at the Knicks, I think game two is a must win for the Knicks. And it showed having their other player out, um, Julius, Julius Randle, yeah. because they, got, they went through, you know, time and time again down the court where they were going through lulls. And, you know, R.J. Barrett had a good game, and Jalen Brunson was him. Missed some shots, too, as well. Obi Toppin stepped up. But they really missed Julius Randle in game one because they were so searching to try to get points and try to get somebody else outside of those three guys, and particularly outside of the two, and, and um, Brunson and, and R.J. Barrett, to score. And when you have a guy like Julius Randle who can score around the basket, score from the outside, score from the mid-range, it puts a different pressure on the Miami Heat versus not having him out there on the floor. Now, Julius Randle's status, always a question. Uh, Knicks head coach Tom Thibodeau said this after the game about his status. I don't know how close, you know, I know he worked out before and I just trust him and the medical staff to make that decision. So if he could go, I, I planned both ways. I planned with, with him going and, and planned if he didn't go. So, um, you know, once they make a decision, that's it, you know, and, and you live with it and you get ready with what you have. And so we have more than enough. I mean, I understand what he's saying. We have more than enough. That's a great concept, Harry. But Julius Randle needs to be back in this. To your point, your back's against the wall. You're down one nothing. You didn't look like offense was not generated as easily as it was in the first round of this series. You could have used Randle out there. Like I think it's it's fine. It's cute for a coach to say we'll go with what we got. Like that's the only thing you can say. But I would feel a lot better if I were a Knicks fan if I had Julius Randle out well, there. Well, your, your two best players on the team is Julius Randle and also Jalen Bronson. So if you're down one of those guys, damn right, you would, you would rather have Julius Randle out there on the court. But I'll say this also for the Knicks, you can't shoot 20% from the three-point line mm. and think you're going to win this series. There, there were a lot of guys who had open looks, not contested looks, open looks, and didn't knock them down. That's why Coach Spolstra got so upset with his team early in the game. Hey, man, you guys are letting this team into the paint. Remember the scouting report. Remember the scouting report. They like to get their buckets in the paint. They like to get into that lane, make them shoot threes. And in game one, it worked out for the Miami Heat. Well, all eyes will be on game two tomorrow. We'll keep you updated on the injury status of everybody involved as we hear more developments today. But coming up, why one downtrodden NFL franchise can find themselves in the Super Bowl. 
We'll tell you about it next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. With the 12th pick in the 2023 NFL Draft, the Detroit Lions select Jameer Gibbs, running back, Alabama. It was the sporting event of the weekend for so many fans across the world and a phenomenon in and of itself, the NFL Draft. Again, thank you to everybody that took the time to watch on ESPN, to listen on ESPN Radio and, of course, Harry and I are incredibly thankful for everybody that took the time to hang out with us for our draft megacast on digital on Thursday and Friday. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80, presented by Progressive Insurance. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz, the 2023 NFL Draft in Kansas City had a total unduplicated audience in the U.S. of 54.4 million viewers for the three-day event. 54.4 million Viewers Over 300, I think they said 320,000 fans were in attendance in Kansas City. One of the people in Kansas City that did incredible work over the last several days, the great Lewis Riddick, ESPN NFL analyst, friend, friend of the show. And uh, Lewis, before I get to my first question, I will get straight to it. But I have to say, watching you, I didn't get to watch Thursday, Friday, because we were working the draft. I watched uh, all day Saturday. Uh, you're just you're incredible at what you do with it, and your draft coverage was just absolutely top notch. So uh, I had to get that out of the way. Also, now I'll ask you a question: uh, the Eagles' big <laughs> draft uh, in your mind after we've gotten through the draft, who who stands out to you in the NFC as the big challenger to Philly? Oh wow! You know, I, I do like a lot of the things that Dallas did in this draft. Um, look, I think getting Mozzie Smith in the first round, look, they need some beef in the middle of their defense. Uh, they need to make sure that that running game of Philadelphia that you know is going to be so good. Uh, they need to make sure that they can keep that in check. I think um, when you look at the linebacker that they got in the third round, the Marvian Overshone from Texas, I'm telling you, he may be in this draft, other than guys like Darnell Wright, who I've talked about a ton, the kid who went uh, to Chicago with the 10th pick. Um, I think the Marvion Overshone, him and Micah Parsons together, wait until you see this guy. Okay? So I think Dallas really, really helped themselves as far as making sure that on the defensive side they had the firepower, on, especially, you know, to, to deal with this explosive Philadelphia offense that is, you know is going to be just as good as it was last year. I mean, I, I don't see them dropping off at all, at all, especially now when you add a DeAndre Swift to that side of the football. And defensively, if they can hit on the kind of chemistry that they're hoping to hit on with uh, them becoming, obviously, Georgia North now, it's going to be – that division is going to be fun to watch, as are many other divisions. But that, that division in particular is going to – there's going to be a lot of fireworks. And let's not discount – Let's not discount the Giants, too, because they did some nice work in this draft as well. No, I'll, I'll tell you, Lewis, when you look at the NFC in totality, um, I do have the Philadelphia Eagles at one. I have the San Francisco 49ers at two. I have the Dallas Cowboys at three. And then at fourth, I have the Detroit Lions. 
what are your thoughts on 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 where I rank those teams? Well, I'll tell you what. Detroit is that team that I believe I don't know if it'll be as much of a shock as maybe as maybe people think it is. Uh, only because of how they finished the, the year last year. But look, this team finished the season 8-2. and two. Their defense was playing its best football late in the season, for sure. I mean, Aaron Glenn had them absolutely rolling. Offensively, they add more firepower in Jameer Gibbs, who some people will say, well, you know what, do, we, do you really need to take him you know, as high as you did? No, nah, maybe not. Maybe 12th is a little too high. But this kid is absolutely electric. Jack Campbell is a hell of a football player. I've got to see him in Iowa. Would, do you need to take a, a stack inside linebacker at 18 overall? Maybe not. Sam Laporta, I love, for out of Iowa. Brian Branch is a freaking stud down in Alabama. I think all of us were sitting there going, he could easily slip into you know, the first round. Hendon Hooker, he's not going to need to play this year. That's still going to be Jared Goff's show. But he's going to be their future starter. Roger Martin from Western Kentucky is going to be another guy to add beef in the middle that helps, which is where they needed it the most. But I, I think that team is the one to really keep an eye on. Really, really keep an eye on. Because what Dan Campbell is doing, by all accounts from people on the inside up there, not just from watching them from the outside, but from the inside up there, he has been a home run hire for them. They buy into him in ways that, Harry, I mean, you know how it can take your game to another level when you truly believe that a coach is not only going to put you in good positions on the field, but gives a damn about you off the field. And not just because you're an asset to them, but because he cares about you as a person. And that's how Dan has made people feel. So I know this is, you know, me just talking about one of the four teams you mentioned, but I do think Detroit, no one will really, they'll pay them their respect, but no one's really taking them seriously because they think, well, Detroit's Detroit. No, they're not. This team is going to be lights out this year. I think they'll be runaway winners in the North. I'd be shocked if they are. We're talking to Lewis Riddick, ESPN NFL analyst on Fitz and Harry, Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz. Uh, the the moment that stunned us on our draft broadcast on the digital side was at the top of the draft when Houston traded back up to three. You, you were doing the big set. What was the reaction like from everybody there seeing a team that's been so bad for so long be so aggressive to get two top players? Yeah, I mean, really, Jason, it was just, but they, they are they have identified the kind of players that D'Amico wants and needs, and they're gonna do whatever they need to do in order to make sure that they get two foundational players that arguably well really not arguably, the two most important positions when you're ranking them, um, one through twenty two on a football team, quarterback pass rusher. They've got their two guys that hopefully they're gonna think are gonna be around there for at least two, maybe three contracts and retire as Houston Texans. So all the, all the uh, I don't know if you want to call it misinformation, but let's just say all the negative talk that was surrounding C.J. Stroud, it was nice to see him go where he deserved to go. And he is going to be someone who obviously is going to, I think he's going to need to play right away. And as, as you know, maybe controversial as this may sound, I don't think Bryce Young needs to play right away. I think Andy Dalton can without a doubt ease that transition for Bryce. So when Bryce takes off, he absolutely takes off and has – you know, that kind of Patrick Mahomes type of uh, assimilation into the league that everyone hopes that a young quarterback can get. And Anthony Richardson, he may, it may be the same thing. They may just be so enticed to play him in Indy that he, has to, that he plays early. But I would, I would sit him too. CJ's in a different situation. There's no way you're going to sit him for Davis Mills. There's just no way. 
And Will Anderson is a foundational bedrock type of person before you even get to the fact that a year ago in 2021, many thought he would have been the first pick of the draft had he come out last year. And he's an Alabama alum, and obviously so is D'Amico. If you know the way D'Amico will coach that defense and as hard-charging as he will coach it, where does Will Anderson come from? He comes from a place where he was tested every single day. And he said, he told me personally, he loved it. He loved the challenge that Nick put him through every day. And what he asked of him every day, he said he was up for it. He wanted more of it. So I think Houston, in their aggression, it wasn't just wild aggression. It was very specific as far as what they were after. And that may be one of those teams in a much, much improved AFC South that could surprise some people this year, too. Lewis, as always, man, we appreciate your time. We appreciate your insight. Great work over the weekend. Uh, always fun to watch you crush it, and you absolutely did in Kansas City. Thanks for joining us. I know you're exhausted. We appreciate you hanging out. <laughs> All good, brothers. Thank you. That's Lewis Riddick, ESPN NFL analyst. All right, so we talked about a lot of different things. Everybody right now is trying to tell you why Anthony Richardson will be great down the road. But what about next season? I'll give you the answer on what the Colts should do, in my mind, next Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Brought to you by Bank of America. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. With the fourth pick in the 2023 NFL Draft, the Indianapolis Colts select Anthony Richardson, quarterback, Florida. When you have him on the football field, you have another dynamic running back in a quarterback's frame. Yeah, you can either make your draft or he can break your heart. But I think with his running skills, he's going to be ideal in his own sort of go-threat quarterback who's going to go into the NFL and right away be one of the top three to four running quarterbacks. If you were watching the NFL draft on Thursday night for night one, there was no surprise with pick number one, Bryce Young. Pick number two stunned some. Pick number three stunned many as we saw the Texans go back-to-back with C.J. Stroud and Will Anderson after trades. That took us to the fourth pick in the first round of the NFL draft. Every single mock seemed to tell us that Will Levis and the Colts were a match made in heaven, but when the pick came down, it was Anthony Richardson. And as we rejoiced at that pick for what it could mean for Indianapolis, it raises a real question that I think is simple to answer. Should he be played right away? It's Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80, presented by Progressive Insurance. Also, it's Clean Car Month, and now at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Make your tires shine. Get two bottles of Superior Coverall Tire Shine for just 18 bucks. Get details at your local O'Reilly Auto Parts or shop online at O'ReillyAuto.com. All right. So the question is, would you play him right away? And Harry, like, I, I, I'm just going to tell you right out of the gate, I trust Shane Steichen. And because I trust new head coach Shane Steichen, who was the offensive coordinator with Philadelphia with Jalen Hurts, and I think he's a really smart offensive coach, I want to see Anthony Richardson on the field right away. You got 13 games of proof of concept in college. He needs reps. So I need to trust my coach to simplify the game plan a little bit, give him only what he can handle as he can handle it. But I would be putting Anthony Richardson on the field from day one so he can get live reps and figure out how to be the best quarterback he can be. I think when the schedule comes out, you make that decision. Ah, that's a good call. 
because you don't want him to go out there versus a San Francisco 49ers defense. You don't want him to go out there versus, you know, one of these top defenses in the National Football League. The next thing you know, things go downhill. So I think just wait until the schedule comes out, see who your first three or four opponents are, and then make your decision uh, based on that. But I will say this, Shane Steichen, right, um, when he was with Justin Herbert, a lot of people thought Justin Herbert wasn't ready to play. But then with Tyrod Taylor, remember that the situation happened before the game and then Mm -hmm. against the Kansas City Chiefs, Justin Herbert went out there and actually balled out and gave Patrick Mahomes and company everything that they could handle. Now, the difference is is that Justin Herbert has played a ton of snaps in college football versus Anthony Richardson. But I think the thing is with a lot of these guys, you never know until you really, you know, actually put them in a situation and see how they're going to be. I do believe, you know, the Colts having a guy like Gardner Minshew, who's played football in the National Football League, he's had two meaningful starts last season when Jalen Hurts was out. Also, we've seen the things that he was able to do while he was in Jacksonville. Nothing over the top, but we've seen that he was feasible and able to, you know, hold things together for a small sample size. I think based on your schedule, you have to make that decision. And I think a thing that's, that's in Anthony Richardson's uh, favor is that the fact that he can utilize his legs, Shane Steichen can use that quarterback run game to his advantage to try to make the defense simplify things so they just can't be all exotic and just play any type of coverages and blitz any kind of way that they may want to do versus a young quarterback. Well, and you mentioned Gardner Minshew. Like, who he is as a quarterback is so different than who Anthony Richardson is as a quarterback. It feels yeah. like that's you're, you'd be limiting one portion of your offense one way or the other versus being able to come in and say, here's who we're going to be with Anthony Richardson. Now, for all of my takes, Mike Tannenbaum certainly knows more uh, than I ever will. I, I'm the first to acquiesce. Mike, for ESPN NFL front office insiders, particularly brilliant. This is what he said on Daria Mel about why the Colts shouldn't play Anthony Richardson right away. Anthony Richardson just needs to learn how to play the quarterback position. You have Gardner Minshew, and that's where the leadership of the organization from Shane Steich and Chris Ballard have to come out and say, hey, we are going to match this process to give Anthony Richardson the best chance to be the best quarterback for the next decade. And I don't care if we're 0-5 and you're all screaming at me and yelling at me and stomping your feet that he should play. It doesn't matter. Like We're not going to sacrifice the long term for short-term gratification because if we go 2-15 and 15 or 3-14, and 14, it doesn't matter. What does matter is that we develop this quarterback the correct way. And, and I don't well, – go ahead. I, 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 can't, I can't fault Mike T for thinking that because Anthony Richardson not having, you know, tons of seasons to go off of of game tape in college, I think that the mental part of things, you do want to gradually bring him around. And I'll tell you, Fitz, like – it was just two or three years ago where I was of the mindset, you know, these young quarterbacks need to play early or whatnot. But my mindset has totally changed. I like, I like to see these guys, man, learn and understand what the offense is doing and not just call plays just to call plays, but understand what's the read here, why that's the read. But if the coverage is uh, uh, something else, why is the read to the opposing side? Why to check out of a pass play to a run play or vice versa, a run play to a pass play? I would rather see these young guys learn and understand the game at a very, very high level by sitting versus being thrown to the fire and, you know, their heads spinning like hell, like a damn top. And I don't disagree with anything that you're saying or Mike's saying. I think in a vacuum, it's perfect logic. The only reason that I take a different stance 
Like, let's look at Tennessee, for example. Uh, if you're asking me, should Tennessee start Will Levis or start Ryan Tannehill? I would start Ryan Tannehill and let Tannehill really show the way to Will Levis of what to do, how to do it, try to teach him how to be a pro, be Agreed. the Alex Smith to Patrick Mahomes. In this situation, two things. Because Anthony Richards play, Richardson plays so differently stylistically than the other guys, and because he has the limited the film, the limited study, the limited reps, in my mind what makes the most sense is to almost translate to him. Your, your coaching staff is going to need to sit down, figure out what he's comfortable with, and then how we start integrating that. And maybe in the beginning it's packages, it's drives, it's it's segments of games. You know, I'm, I'm not saying if Gardner Minshew goes out and clearly wins the job, then you don't put the Anthony Richardson out there and risk the young man's confidence or career. But if there's, you know, they always say in baseball, tie goes to the batter, right? Like if it's close, I'm going to lean Anthony Richardson simply so that he can get out there and have the opportunity lifetime. It's much easier for a quarterback watching the stuff in a film room to say, oh, well, the check should have gone here, the read should have gone there. Uh, at some point, you have to get them on the field doing that in games that count. So I think you're, you've are you offered sort of a good solution in the middle. Like, would Brock Purdy have been the savior of the 49ers if he'd been forced to start week one? I, I, that would be really hard to expect, right? He got extra time yep. to learn. Would I go through the whole season and not play Anthony Richardson? I wouldn't, frankly. Like, No, you, I, don't think, I don't think you can do that either. Like, he has to get meaningful reps this season. I don't think you can just sit him down for the entire year and then say, hey, you know what, you're going to come in next year, you're going to be the starter. That's not why you take a guy at number four. But I do believe, in this, and I especially believe it's all about who you're playing your first few weeks of the season as well, Fitz. Because you're going out there against top five defenses. I don't know if you want Anthony Richardson out there early on just, you know, trying to figure things out. Right. So you're telling me that if he's playing against the Raiders, he should play. But if he's playing against, I don't know, the, the Jets, he should stay He should stay on the sideline. That's a <laughs> – that's what we're saying. Okay. You know, Tyree Wilson. That's all I got to tell you. That's all I got to say. Uh, obviously, no one situation is perfect for any of the quarterbacks. I think we can all agree on that. And again, what we're trying to do today, instead of just coming in and saying, well, this team gets an A and this team gets a C, let's acknowledge the fact that none of us know. Until we get these guys in practice and until we see who these guys are within the facility and how they fit into the coaching staffs, it's impossible to sit here and say, well, this team won the draft and this team lost the draft. And one thing that I think that's been really smart across all of media today is I'm seeing more and more people step back from that process and instead saying what can be successful I think I, I know Harry and I both loved Anthony Richardson to the Colts we did it live in the moment now the question becomes how can Shane Steichen make the best out of Anthony Richardson part of the reason Shane Steichen got that job is because they trust he'll be able to do it Steph versus LeBron again no title on the line but we'll tell you what is next Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, and as always, on Sirius XM Channel 80. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. 